What's up, everyone? Welcome into the Modern Drummer Podcast with Mike and Mike. This is episode 202, and this episode is brought to you by Dream Symbols. Any of you in Montreal or in the area or looking to take a trip to Montreal on August 1st from 7 p.m. to 10 p.m., Dream Symbols is going to be hosting a hang at Hotel Tatango Studio uh, featuring Sam Fogarino of the band Interpol. So what they do at these hangs is they have 50 symbols on sale. They're all dis- there to be displayed, set up at the kits. Uh, so you get to hear them. You get to play them. You get to hear probably Sam will be playing for a bit. Uh, so you get to hear them in the room in a nice space. They also record it so you can hear how the symbols sound under microphones on the playback. Everything that's going to be there is going to be for sale through the uh, store Timpano Percussion. So a lot of the guys from Dream Symbols will be there. Sam will be there for the whole time. Again, that's August 1st, 7 to 10 p.m. at Hotel Tatango in Montreal. If you want to go, you have to RSVP by emailing dreamhang at dreamsymbols.com. Again, that's dreamhang, all one word, at dreamsymbols.com. August 1st, 7 to 10 p.m., dreamhang at Hotel Tatango in Montreal. Definitely go check it out. Sam is one of my favorite players. It'll be great to hear him and meet him and see him up close in person playing some of his favorite dream symbols. All right, so our intro beat is by uh, Brandon Faulkner. So Brandon is playing a Gretsch Catalina Club bop kit, which he says puts him in the jazzy frame of mind. He's doing some brushes here. So he's recorded with two mics, an SM57 by Shore on the snare, and then an MXL 990 large diaphragm condenser. He says is about four to five feet in front of the kit. He recorded it on his iPad using the PreSonus Capture, um, which is the program that came with the PreSonus AudioBox i2 interface. So this is an interface specifically designed for recording on an iPad. So if you're looking for something super portable and super simple, Check that out. Anyway, let's give Brandon some airtime and let's get the show going. Do you feel that you've shaken the protein drink enough? (laughs) You guys don't understand what the ketchup is like. We're, We're trying to catch up here in the... The man won't stop shaking his protein drink. Hey, look, I'm I'm experimenting with the intermittent fasting, so that's my one oh, meal you? for the day. Yeah, I've been I've been okay. doing it for about six months. I don't know if I'm seeing any results. I think I'm I think it's changing my body makeup. I have no idea, man. I don't know. Whatever. I just wow. don't want to eat so much. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like uh, you've really put a lot of thought into this. That's great. <laughs> anyway, what are we doing this week? Uh, we're doing a lot. How about this? Let's do the house cleaning first. Okay. You have clinics coming up. I have clinics coming up. Let's give everybody some dates and locations. What's your stuff going? Okay. So anyone in London, September 24th, which is a Tuesday night, I'm going to be there for um, a clinic that evening. And uh, I'll give you the details for the venue probably in the next couple of weeks. It's already confirmed, so it's happening. So those of you who said you're coming, I look forward to seeing you. Uh, Anyone who's going to be making a trip to the area, let me know. Um, we're going to keep it pretty casual, but I'm going to you know, do my thing, teach what I've been practicing. Um, and there's, a, I think we're going to like sneak over to some secret venue, and I'm going to be playing drums in like a giant refrigerator. I have no idea. I've, just, I've been hearing Wait, about something what? crazy happening at the end of the night <laughs> where I'm going to be in a huge refrigerator or something. Hmm. That sounds amazing. <laughs> you ever wow. play drums in a refrigerator, Mike? No, uh, I've, I've been, lately I've been doing hot yoga drumming, <laughs> so I've been doing the opposite. <laughs> and then I just have buddies oh, from CrossFit like do like yoga drumming. 
same thing I wear for any type of hot yoga activity. Uh, just it doesn't even matter. Whatever it is, it would make people throw up in their mouth. So we'll just skip it. <laughs> okay, so that is September twenty fourth. I'm going to be in London. Uh, I would like to hear from you ahead of time if you plan on coming. There will be a small door charge to get in, but um, you know that's all confirmed. So September September twenty fourth. More details to follow. It'll be like six to whenever kind of a vibe. Um, yeah, so I'm looking forward to making my first trip over there. That's so cool, man. I'm really excited for you. I'm, I'm excited that you actually get to use your passport. Yeah, right. You know what? I, I got it out of the, uh, I had it in a, a safety deposit box or a, a fire safe box, and there were also some old keys in there, and the old keys had rusted, so now my passport is covered in rust. So it looks like I've Dude. been traveling to Mars. Even though you've never gone anywhere. <laughs> Even though I've never gone like when, anywhere. When you hand it, you've so you've never gone through customs before. <laughs> no, the guy's going to be like, oh. where were you in freaking the well, I can't wait to just hear back from you about how nerve-wracking it is when they go, so why are you going to London? And you go, uh, oh, well, uh, to drum? Are you getting paid? No, I don't know, maybe. So you are getting paid. No, I'm not getting paid. Wait, you're going to go all the way to London to drum and they're not going to pay you? I don't know. And then you just crumble and they take you in the back room and that's where everything gets a little weird for Mr. Dawson. Hello. Um, I'm telling you, man. You think you have your stuff together. You think you've seen enough crime movies and Kevin Spacey films and then all of a sudden, Who knows? Like I said, I've never, I mean, who knows? I could be a felon not even know it. I don't even know. (laughs) <laughs> I can tell up. you that uh, Mike, so Mike Johnson and Mike Johnston are both names Ellen's. that were on the terrorist watch list because they're they're almost like John Smith. They're so common, oh right. So I every time for like right after nine eleven for about three to four years of travel, I was always getting stopped. And in I would say like from my perspective, I have no problem with it whatsoever. It's like I fully get it. I yeah. totally understand. I'm not the person that's like, this is harassment. <laughs> it's like, dude, your job is not fun. Let's get th- I will help you get through your day as fast as possible. So uh but but recently I think <laughs> I think bad people have moved on from my name because now I just breeze through everything. <laughs> I'm like, cool. They moved on to something more mod my name's like too old now. Yeah, now, too now obvious. they're on to like, yeah. uh, I'm Kyler Beckworth. <laughs> oh, okay. All right, Kyler Beckworth. Come on back here. <laughs> That's way too advanced of a name. Good gosh, should we start this episode over? How are we doing? <laughs> Super sorry for all the Kyler Beckworths out there. All right, so my clinic's coming up. I'm going to be in... I'll be in Ireland doing the 21 Drums Camp, but at the end of that camp, as always, we go and do a clinic that's open to the public. So this will be... Uh, Mark Juliana, Ash Sohn, Robert Sputzirat, and me. We will be at the Button Factory on August 19th. That's Monday, August 19th. Mm. Clinic starts at 7.30 p.m. So we'd love to see you guys out there. It's always a blast. All four of us are on stage the entire time. So it's not just, it's not like a festival where one drummer comes out and then 30 minutes later, the next drummer comes out. All four of us are on stage at the same time playing together. Then we all have our individual times where we play by ourselves selves and uh it's a really fun night so come on out and it's it's a nice rock club environment so it's a cool place to see a drum clinic for sure so that'll be happening on august 19th then i head over to northern ireland somewhere that i've never been before and i'll be doing a clinic at the crescent arts center in belfast northern ireland and that is on the 21st so that's going to happen the master class is already sold out uh, but the drum clinic is open to the public uh, so if you want to just hit up uh i believe 
let's see, Belfast Drum Academy. That's who you want to hit up on Facebook to get more information about that one to attend the clinic. Uh, like I said, the master class is already sold out. So I uh, hope to see you guys there. Uh, so that's Dublin on the 19th and Belfast on the 21st. Sweet. All right, Sweet. housekeeping done. Let's talk so. drums. Yeah, shall we? So I, one thing I wanted to talk about was I took the wrong gear to the gig last week. That was um, – it wasn't a rookie move. I think I just guessed wrong. So it was an outdoor okay. gig, and I knew it was going to be – you know, I mean, outdoor in the middle of a, like a little neighborhood. So I figured, okay, we're not going to be rocking out. We're going to just be playing music for people sitting in a little courtyard, which is exactly what it was. But there was no production, so the the drums were completely unmiked. Oh, and within the first song, the bass player was like, "Yeah, you're gonna have to play like twice as loud as that." <laughs> so, no way! And I had a bop kit, you know, with an 18 inch bass drum. <laughs> so yeah, and it did. was like 100 percent humidity, so the drums just sounded like boxes, like just oh, paper God. boxes. So that was. That was a tough one, but at the end of it, he's like, "Hey, do you have like you know like really big drums?" <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you brought the wrong kit. Yeah, the wrong sizes. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it was a shame because it would have been a lot more. It would have been a lot easier for me to play big drums and I had to hit them that hard rather than trying to right. smash a little eighteen-inch bass drum to get it to project, you know, fifty yards into the crowd. Yeah, on a hundred percent humidity. Hundred percent humidity. It was. It was one of those like, oh man, I should have maybe considered what was going to happen here. I should have definitely twenty two or twenty, but no, yeah, I took yeah, the yeah. eighteen. I was thinking 18. easy in, <laughs> easy out kind of setup. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I've since set up my big twenty four in the studio, and I'm like, all right, let me get my my hard hitting Bonham chops back for. for I was going to say, time. I would love to walk past that court and hear immigrant song going. That was pretty much like, the what vibe. is that? That's oh, a guy playing immigrant song on an eighteen. <laughs> oh, that's that awesome! Pretty man. much the vibe. So you know, but it, I would have at least walked by him and like, dude, that guy on that bop kit's got really good time. <laughs> <laughs> it's too bad he brought the wrong kit. <laughs> too bad he can't hear anything. Yeah, like, oh, that's that, that SpongeBob kit is killing. That Even guy's really symbols, good because I, I brought like real, real kind of lush dark symbols and i was like man you can't hear them you can't hear anything yeah what am am i doing i need my giant beads or something (laughs) i don't know enough about physics to know the answer to this but do you think does humidity change how far sound can travel it has to right because it has to right yeah it really felt like i was playing underwater and i couldn't i couldn't get the sound to project it was just stuck. It was like I was stuck in the mud. <laughs> oh, that's the worst. You, yeah. You're so physically worn out at the end of a gig like that. Yeah, and nothing sounded good. Like I kept trying to retune the snare. I was like, it just doesn't sound good. Everything just sounds like just splat. Like, what am I that's, doing? <laughs> that sucks when you're looking down at the set list and counting backwards. Like, all right, four more to go. Yeah, three exactly. more to go. I just can't wait to get home. <laughs> I'm done with it. Like you, because when you're in that moment, in that boohoo, woe is me thing. You know you don't want to be in that mode. Like you want to be in a different mood. You're performing. You want to bring the you know the yeah. joy and the passion. <laughs> but once you're there, it's hard to get yourself out of it. Yeah, I mean, we still had fun. I mean, it was kind of kind of a silly scenario anyway. You're set set up in the middle of a town in the blazing heat, and you're trying to play like hard hitting blues and classic rock for people. Right. So it's you're kind of crazy to even be out there to begin with, but. So we had fun with it, and the band was great. But at the end of the night, I was like, "Man, if I just would have brought the old Slingerland kit, it would have been so much easier." Because it just would have been yeah. ringing, it would have been ringy. But maybe not. I don't know. 
But either Who way, knows? next time I play with that band, look out because I'm bringing the big guns. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> the next time you show up with your 26 Vista Light, exactly. all different colors. That's like, pretty much the vibe. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I had an uh, interesting conversation. Uh, so you and I have talked about, or we were talking earlier about Jonathan Collin Green, amazing drummer. He's somewhere in between that world of polyrhythmic artists, but also jazz fusion guy that's extremely musical so it's Mm -hmm. not just how far can you push this instrument without a musical application to do it in and we started talking on the phone recently just because i feel like it's not enough anymore if i've if i've liked maybe 40 or 50 of your posts (laughs) i feel like i might want to call you at some point uh i i I maybe it's just my age bracket that I'm in, but I still enjoy talking to people on the phone, getting to know them and going a little bit deeper on the friendship level than just giving them two taps on the screen and they get a heart. Like, mm-hmm. oh, cool. Mike liked my post. <laughs> uh, so we were talking on the phone and then at some point we just talked about what it's like to get to a certain level where you feel a little bit like you're on your own. You don't have a private teacher anymore. You can read any book out there, so you can almost teach yourself. But what you don't have is someone telling you what to do. And that's one of the benefits of having a teacher. It's not even that I need my teacher to find some book that I don't know about or some magical hybrid rudiment. It's that sometimes you just need someone to tell you what to do. So we came up with the idea of like, okay, what if we just give each other an assignment? I'm going to, mm. I'm going to make an assignment for you. You make an assignment for me. Interesting. And we've, we've followed each other on social media. You know what would challenge me. I know what would challenge you. So we did that. Uh, we gave each other assignments yesterday and both of us within five minutes texting each other going, uh, I'm having some problems here. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> and cause it, it was like, yeah, just send me anything and then we'll film it on Friday. We'll upload it on Saturday. Good. And it was like, <clears throat> uh, I have a busy week and then I have a camp. Like I need at least 20 hours to practice this. So I gave him an assignment that was a very, very specific box to put him in that he had to create inside of because I've seen him do crazy feats of mathematical coordination that I just go, okay, that was, you know, here's 15 against seven. Like, mm-hmm. Okay. But it's just 15 against seven. And then I've seen him also play with his fusion group and I've seen him be very free inside of the only restriction being a tempo. Mm-hmm. But he has the whole kit open to him. So I gave him a very specific limited box. Like, here's your your hands go here. Don't move. <laughs> your feet are doing this. Don't change. Now improvise with just dynamics. So that was his assignment. He's struggling with it. His assignment for me was uh, something that I had never done, which was one of his polyrhythmic things. So I'm playing paradiddle diddles as 16th notes, one E and a two E and a three E and a four E Uh and a one E uh, in a four bar phrase. It doesn't fit in four bars, but you round it off. Uh, And then uh, underneath that, my bass drum is playing sevens of one E and a two E and a three E and a four E and a one E and a two E and a three E. So it's seven against six. Okay. Um, My brain's mush already. Bro. (laughs) So I can tell you where I'm at right now. I have not seen a bass drum pedal in two days. I don't want to even look at one. I'm just trying to get to the point that I can play the paradiddle diddles and sing. Dun, dun, dun. 
I wish everyone could see your. Oh my god! That is so much concentration. I'm driving around doing that. So, anyway, so tomorrow we'll start uploading our practice videos so people can see if they just see. I made Jonathan a video. He made me a video. And if they just see that and then see us accomplish this test, kind of seems like we could already do it. So uh, if you guys follow us on Instagram, uh, for me, it's just at Mike's Lessons. You can see the progress. I'll be starting to put it on my stories today, cool. and which is tomorrow. But uh, And then we'll upload the videos on Saturday and Sunday. So it should be fun. But I nice. think it'd be cool if more people start reaching out to the people they're following on social media and just say, Dude, do you have time for a call? Uh, Eddie Thrower is another drummer who I have now started talking to a lot, and he lives in the UK, so we talk on uh, WhatsApp audio. That way it doesn't charge our international phone bill. Mm. And we talk probably once or twice uh, a week, if not more than that. And all of that comes from just reaching out to somebody on social media where you're like, dude, I've seen enough of your posts. I feel like we'd be friends. We just (laughs) don't happen to live in the same country. Yeah. Why can't we talk and yeah, then right. send each other videos and then our wives get jealous? Like Amber's <laughs> like, who are you talking to? I'm like, it's Eddie. She's like, stop talking to Eddie. I'm like, I can't. I can't. You don't understand. He's on a helicopter, babe. Oh, man. He's, he's doing big gigs. I have a similar, actually, sort of parallel experience. I don't know if you, if everyone knew this, but I did the transcriptions for Carter McLean's book, Drum Set Concepts and Creativity. It's just out now. And the process of transcribing it was was not incredibly challenging like I've, I've done a lot of transcriptions so it kind of I could identify what he was doing and, and write it out okay. and figure out the right so getting it down on paper was like cool man let's I got it but then the question was well can you play it <laughs> and so there's the one he calls it the kaleidoscope if any of yep. you've seen it so the I'm one that on I'm right now. totally stuck on at the moment actually no I'm about halfway through is you play double strokes but the feet are playing uh, what is that Four over three. Four over three. Yep. Yeah, and then you accent every 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 note, every other note, every third note, every fourth note, fifth note, sixth note, seventh note, eighth note. The five, I wanted to quit. So I felt like I was practicing the new breed at, at fifteen again. Like there's no <laughs> way that I could ever do this. But <laughs> it's like so anything funny. else, you know. Eventually, like it, it's I guess a kaleidoscope is a perfect name for it because eventually you just it becomes clear. You just twist it, and there's the image. Now it now it makes yeah. sense. And I think these things that we can put in front of our, all of us can do this. I, I, I think uh, maybe, unless you are into books, but if you're a DVD person or videotape person, maybe the first time you saw something like this would have been Virgil Donati on the Modern Drummer Festival where he was doing, I think, paradiddles with his feet and then inverted paradiddles with his hands. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, yep. Or something similar to that. And then you run to the kit and you realize, I can't even do the first two notes. It mm-hmm. falls apart after two <laughs> notes. And it's like, okay, well, then do two notes, then do three, then do four, build this up. And I think things like that are really important that we all should be working on one of those things every single day of our lives because it teaches you how you learn. Yeah. Learning is a skill. I don't know why no one teaches you how to how to find your own way to learn. It's like, okay, you can learn by reading it or by hearing it or by seeing it. And it's like, no, that's so broad. Like, yeah. I'm telling you, when I learn, it's a, it's a weird process. <laughs> I don't want anyone around. I need to be locked in a room by myself. But I know how I learn. But even going through this stuff with Jonathan is reminding me of how I learn, what the process is like the patience I need to have with myself. And then yeah. I can carry that over into every aspect of my life. Yeah. And the thing is for me is identifying where's the spot that every time I get to it, I just kind of flub through it. 
like where's in this in this thing I'm trying yep. to do whatever it is there's inevitably one spot where I don't really know what the heck's going on and I just kind of fake it and then right. eventually you have to be like okay let's let's be honest and say you can't do that one spot and stop trying to force your way through it and then really figure it out that's kind of the way I learn it's like I go global I just kind of get through it like okay I can get through it and it feels good and there's always one or two spots where I'm like that something's not right or something keeps right. flipping the sticking around on me like what's yep. what's happening but it takes me a while to like accept that <laughs> yeah I, I mean I do a couple different things but that's one of them and then when I get to that point and this is something that I'm constantly teaching my campers and my students is create an exercise out of your problem keep pl- quit playing this four bar phrase when you know you're going to screw up on the third bar grab the screw up yeah. take it out obsess over the screw up until it becomes your strength, then put it back into the four bar phrase and it'll go much better for you or, or for me personally. Mm. Um, because I, I would always have, if when you're teaching a student how to put a kick drum in between their hi-hats in a basic pop groove and it's on the of four, it's like, well, we don't really need to play the whole measure that you can crush just so you can screw up on the of four. Right. <laughs> Why don't we go four, a one, a one, a one, a one, a one. That's all we need. We just need that part because that's the only you, you're fine with. Uh, ka, uh, sweet, and then you fall down. Yeah. And it's like, well, why don't we just grab the fall down part? So, <laughs> yeah. So I'm having a blast doing this stuff. It's funny uh, with Carter. Uh, I ordered the book on Amazon. I told him, I was like, I don't want you to send it to me. I'll just order it. I pre-ordered it. I, I got all excited when it came in. I got the notification. Your your package has been delivered. I ran upstairs to the bike shop where all of our packages go. <laughs> and uh, I, t- I, sh- I sent Carter a picture of it like, bro, I got your book. And he's like, dude, it's all stuff you can already do. I hadn't opened it yet. I was like, oh, well, we'll see. Same exact exercise. Like I, as soon as I got to that thing, which I'm very comfortable accenting any grouping of double strokes, because only because I've worked on it, mm. I've put a lot of time into it. No problem. I can do it over the samba, the bio, the tumbao, splash close tumbao, <laughs> left foot clave, three or four over three polyrhythm. Start over from scratch. Yeah, because it takes a lot. That's what the hardest part of transcribing it was. Figured out how many measures do you need to repeat yeah. before it resolves. And in the, in the fives, yeah. if you're accenting every fifth note, it takes three measures of five four for that that pattern mm-hmm. to resolve back to one. Yeah, it's a long time. I feel like an eternity before like it oh, it really finally does. comes back to the one. <laughs> yeah, and I'm finding this with the thing that I'm doing with Jonathan. Where do I put? my brain it, who is the timekeeper is it my paradiddle diddle dump or is it bump 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 who because in the six and the seven going at the same time someone's got to someone's got to be the primary timekeeper and then i'm putting something over the top of that yeah but i'm comfortable in both of those but not either of them together so it's <laughs> kind of like i don't know and then the the thing that i'm struggling with now is i can actually do it on an endless loop what i can't do without a metronome His assignment for me was that I did it in a four-bar phrase, and it doesn't fit, so you have to round it off Mm -hmm. at the end. I can't keep track of how long I've done it. I could do it forever, but I can't do it in a four-bar phrase. Does that make sense? No, totally. That's that's like rule number one for me with anything I do anymore is – know where you are in a four bar phrase because that's that is yeah. the application you're not going to play music that's seven bar phrases very often but you're going to okay. play a lot of music that's four bar phrases speaking of that i don't want to i don't want to mess anything up so i'm not going to i'll tell you the name off air but a very famous clinician just went to a shop that um in utah where you and i both know or have you met chris hancock from rooster thrones yeah nam show okay yeah okay yeah. so chris and i were talking on the phone clinician just went there uh, recently and 
did a master class, not a clinic. So only a three hour master class and then on to the next place. And he said that one thing that shut the entire clinic down was he said, All right, I'm going to have all of you come up here. I want you to play 16 bars a time and stop on the downbeat of one of the 17th bar. <laughs> Out of like the 40 pro drummers that attended this thing, <laughs> gigging Utah drummers, uh, didn't go so well from what I heard. And I wouldn't expect it to go well. I t- and I told Chris, I said, do you think that that clinician picked that because he thought it was going to go well? He's done this a million times. He knows that no one can keep track of time like that, even if they've played a million gigs because they're used to having someone else. It's like the melody keeps the time for you. Yeah. Um, you just hear the turnaround. And <clears throat> that's no, that's me, big boy stuff. That's that is, it. Absolutely. Stuff. Yeah. And I don't know. I still, I, I don't feel things in 16 bar chunks. I would have four, four bar chunks in my head. Yeah. You know, Depending on tempo, I might chunks. think it, if it's faster, it'd be two eights. Sure. But, two eights. But yeah. definitely. Um, yeah. That's been a goal of mine, especially with social media. If, if at any time in any video I produce, I break out of the four bar phrase and I don't realize I did it, I delete the video. Yeah. It's yeah. just that's my one accountability thing. Like you need to know all this noodling bull crap that you're doing. You need to know how it resolves after four yeah. bars. <laughs> you know, and I, I have a couple. It's funny you say that. I have a couple videos that I've put out where I knew exactly where I was, but when I watch the video back, it doesn't sound like I knew where I was. Mm. Like I purposely, I'm like I just don't want to hit the one. I don't want to mark my time, and then and I displace something, and it's like no, 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 I. I, I'm right. And if you really watch, you'll know that I am right. It'll eventually resolve. But I'm like, ah, it kind of sounds like I'm in a five bar. Like, yeah. ah, I don't know. And then, <laughs> and then that's the question of the things that we play for other musicians and other drummers. What, what's our purpose? Are we trying to make you feel uncomfortable and make you feel lost? Or do I want to make you feel safe? Like, okay, I gave you a little bit of attention, but I released it at the end of this phrase. Um, so, yeah, it's something we all go through. Yeah. Um, should we talk about the snare drum we're going to finally give away? I mean, gosh, we're only 23 minutes into the episode. <laughs> well, if we're going to talk about the snare drum, we need to talk about the snare drum because... The actual snare drum? Okay, now this one is not my fault. <laughs> if any of you have seen my video on Instagram, uh, for the for the 10,000... 182 of you that have seen this so far what mike's about to tell you is all on him this is not me i did my job all right so what we're going to give away and it's still an awesome giveaway it's just i um had the, had the wrong drum in the box <laughs> <laughs> oh it's so good so it's the, so us so to celebrate the lack of professionalism after 202 mm-hmm. hours of podcasting we are going to give away not the 6x13 Cherry Modern Drummer Snare Drum that we thought we were going to give away, but in Amen. fact the 6 by 14 3-ply Mahogany Poplar Walnut Modern Drummer 40th Anniversary Snare. Now, i got to say, for someone that doesn't have a snare collection, that actually might be a more versatile drum than the 13 Cherry. Totally. It was designed to be the um, new version of a classic vintage like Slingelin Ludwig wood drum. Three ply, very rounded bearing edges, fat, dark sounding. It it parallels my old WFL snare that's like my go to for anything that's kind of jazz or anything that's that that old school sound. Um, so just so to be clear, Mike and I based this contest <laughs> off of a box that he had in his office. <laughs> Now the box had not been opened. It, hasn't been <laughs> so touched in like it a wasn't year. In, it wasn't until he opened the box today uh, that he goes, 
that's not the drum that we talked about. <laughs> so I think it's actually I, – I can tell you how cool this drum is. I actually told Mike I will happily ship out my drum and you can send me that drum. So it, it, it's an amazing drum. Uh, it's a gorgeous finish. It's actually like a walnut finish, so it, it'll go with anyone's kit. 14 by 6.5, three-ply shell, especially yep. if all of the current drums you have are modern. This is a brand-new vintage drum. Yep, handmade Bruce Hagwood. Everything about it is, is the same as, as the three different drums we made for our 40th anniversary. So it's got brass tube lugs, you know, chrome brass tube lugs, uh, triple flange steel hoops, um, pure sound wires. I mean, it, it's a... It's a really nice drum. This is the version of the three that I use the most often for the stuff that I'm playing, like anything like indie sounding stuff or jazz or anything that's just kind of, if you would normally grab a vintage drum, this would be that sound. Anyway, we're giving it away for free, so I don't need to sell it. So here's what Whoa, do we need to do. easy East Coast, <laughs> easy East Coast, calm down. We are so happy that you are excited to win this drum that we will have to pay shipping on and whatever. <laughs> Actually, I don't even know if that's true. Okay, so <clears throat> here's how you can win it. Be Starting right now, for the next two weeks, you have 14 days to do this. Upload anything to Instagram that shows you listen to this podcast. So uh, maybe a clip of one of your favorite things where we said something incredibly stupid like we normally do. Actually, the fact that we're giving away the wrong drum. That's a great, great example. Show us your favorite part of this podcast. You can talk to the camera. You can do anything and put it in um, a post. Uh, stories are cool, but they're just hard for us to keep track of. So if you make an actual post about it, it's a little bit easier for us to keep track of. And please use the hashtag Modern Drummer Podcast. And that is it. Hashtag Modern Drummer Podcast. So anything that shows you listen to this podcast, an audio clip, a screen grab with audio, a picture of one of us with audio from the podcast. Let us know. And it's a great way to show us, hey, what was your favorite thing that ever happened on this podcast? What was something that made you laugh or just made your day better? We would love to see that stuff. And I think it'd be really funny is if you reposted Mike's uh, video of the wrong snare drum. <laughs> Don't start, dude. Don't even start. <clears throat> you know what I think would be funny? <laughs> I posted some of Mike Dawson's pick a pick a pick a that's what you get for being uh, an overachiever (laughs) that's what you get i know that was like a highly produced video i had a slider i had lighting and then you go switch the drum on me uh so a photo of it you can just you know drop it on top of it overlay there you go (laughs) uh so please please uh tag us in that stuff you can tag us both personally because we would like to see this stuff too but we will keep track of it on instagram with the hashtag modern drummer podcast you can also if you want to if for some reason you're just anti-social media but you love the podcast you can send a video in uh to email using uh the email address modern drummer i don't remember name. how about this you can just email in the info at modern drummer.com with Holy your name hell. and your address and the fact that you're entering to win the snare drum giveaway that's MD way easier info than what I was But we want it to be fun. So if you if you're cool with playing some drums or, or just doing something for Instagram, um, that would be the you know we want this to be fun. We want to just kind of spread the word. You can tag Mike said him or I or also Modern Drummer Magazine's page, but we're really going to be following that hashtag Modern Drummer Podcast. Yep. Boom! All right, let's get into some educational stuff. <clears throat> How fast is too fast? I think this is something that we all go through from time to time. Should we be working on our hand speed? How much 
should we put into our hand speed? How much should we put into our foot speed? Is there a magical BPM? Like I have to hit double strokes and paradiddles at 200. Uh, all those things that go through our minds as we're trying to get better at this. And then the other thing is, well, what if you do have the speed? Should you constantly be working on it for the rest of your life? Or is there a maintenance tempo that you're okay with? Hmm. So when it comes to speed, I think I'm at a place now where it's really hard to determine whether it's hand speed or foot speed that's slowing me down. A lot of times it's pattern speed. It's uh-huh. me playing the thing that I want to play using all four limbs and it coming out at this high tempo, extremely clean. Mm-hmm. A good example is I'm working on the solo that I'll be playing in my clinics in Ireland and Northern Ireland. And the the solo's mostly at about 100 BPM. The whole thing is just at this nice... Well... Anytime I jump to 30-second notes, that's putting me at 200 Mm. to do whatever thing I'm doing. And it's not hands-only. It's very intricate, linear and non-linear drum set patterns, and they are muddy. Mm. And so this is the first time in a long time where I've tried to do something, and it's not that I can't play it. I actually physically can't play it as fast as I need to play it for this thing that I'm working on. So is that going to be an issue of it's too late to even try to figure it out, or you just slow it down by no? If you slow it no, down by ten, does it kind of fall apart? Does the whole concept of the solo yes, fall apart? because the because jumping into this subdivision, this magical thirty second of subdivision, is such a non important part of this. Mm. It's more like just a little bit of at some point there has to be some fireworks, but it's not a big part of this. So I'd rather the whole solo work and take that part out because um, I have it. Well, I have enough time. I'm only about I can land I can land it every time. I don't rush, I don't drag. I it's just not clean. Mm-hmm. Um it's well, I would say this. It's at my max. It's exactly at my max and it sounds like it. And everything else, if I'm playing 16th note triplets, the feel is so much more relaxed because it's 30 or 40 BPM under my max. Now, and psychological yeah, question ahead. for me, if I know I have to execute something that's at my max, it's usually a 50-50 whether I crash and burn or kill it because I know right. psychologically this could be the spot where you either kill it or crash and burn. And right. it has been so many times on gigs where I'm like, oh, here's that spot where I can't do like unisons or something, like a triplet build. Sure. I'm like, maybe today I'll get it, maybe today I won't. And it's like I really <laughs> don't roll know. roll the dice. I don't know what the result's going to be. Yeah. It could, I could just yeah. like freeze up and, and halfway through the figure and my hands just collapse. Or it's I, like, oh, that was super easy. All right, cool. Moving on. Totally. Yeah, I won't do it until I feel more 90-10 about it. Okay. So for me, what that entails is, okay, this thing is going to be happening. It's really just a thing to showcase like, okay, I've given you this subdivision. You felt comfortable in it. I took us to a few different subdivisions. You know, Most of it's based in 16th notes every once in a while. I improvise for a while in 16th note triplets, but I'm trying for that to be this... I, I guess Weckl is the only one that I can think of that does it the way I want to do it, where you know what the subdivision is, but they're not all in your face. Mm-hmm. It's like this, li- I mean, just broth of the soup subdivision is happening, and then there's these accents just shooting out of it, but they could only be possible inside that grid. Instead of, I'm not going like, dang, jang, dagga, dang, jang, dang, that's what I'm not doing. Uh, so, I want that 30-second note thing, if I jump there, if I choose to, 
it's only going to be a bar or two. So the way that I will work it out is I will improvise in constant stream of 30 second notes for 10 to 20 minute chunks, uh, mm. probably four or five times a day. And then I will pass, I will keep going until I'm at 110, 115. And, and I have, I don't know, whatever dates we said, I feel like I have almost two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can make monumental improvements in two weeks. Hell yeah. <laughs> Are you kidding me? You know, what I would do for me would be, okay, if I know singles are really kind of tearing me apart, I would go to doubles, at least to get through the music of it. Like, okay, I want something that sounds like a seamless blur of notes. I'm going to just go to doubles. It's going to limit me in a way. But that's how I would probably attack that if I knew my singles yeah. could fall apart. It's a little bit of a Yo Snickle thing where I've given something to them in a subdivision that they thought was the was the pinnacle, um, and then I I ramp it up. So it, it's so yeah. So it's not just a if it was just a stream of notes or something like that. I would definitely do that. I have no problems doing that. And I have I have my fallback sticking patterns that are in the two forty range. So that would be one twenty mm-hmm. um, as thirty second notes that I could go to all of my paradiddle inversions, single, double, triple, paradiddle, diddles, double paradiddles. Uh, this is just something where, like I said, it's it's got that Yoast feel of like like the crowd's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. Oh my gosh, I can't believe it. That's what I want. So. <laughs> well, two weeks. All right, get to work. <laughs> and, a, and, a, and an international flight. I'm not going to lose it on that. Uh, so, okay, so as far as how fast is too fast, have you gone through this yourself? Well, how fast is fast enough? I think is what we're trying to get to. Yeah, sorry. How fast uh, is fast enough? I've kind of. I don't. I don't know. I mean, I think for me, I don't think there's a, there's a ceiling because I want to have so much in the tank that I'm comfortable and totally relaxed. But I know that physically, I think I've hit my maximum. Like like my nervous system is is kind of hit its plateau. Okay. And, it, and you know, depending on the day, it's kind of. I think I'm kind of like. Like a pitcher, like a major league pitcher. Some days he might hit 90, some days he might hit 98, some days he might only be able to do 93. But as long as he's averaging 95, like he's going to right. still have a job. And that's kind of where I think I'm at. Like some days, like 10 BPM faster than I was yesterday is comfortable. Some days I'm struggling to get to that middle. So. Yeah. I feel like I've been able to just like eke it up 5 BPM in the past year. But that's if I'm like if I do like 10 rounds of of the repetition to like really get right. there. So unless someone's going to diagnose my technique and and see where maybe I'm not utilizing my my twitching muscles properly or something, I've hit my ceiling. Thankfully, there isn't any music that I've come across lately that demands that much single stroke speed there are certain things in speed like like i said unisons triplet builds for whatever reason i really have a hard time with those so that i see a and when lot you say of, you have a hard time do you mean they separate i just can't i feel like my i don't have the speed i feel like really? i have to okay. like literally have to fake it sometimes if, if it's a really like fast like blues shuffle with a big yeah, yeah, yeah. build so I don't know why that that's the case, but so I feel like I've still got some growth there. But just straight speed, I think my body has kind of hit its max. I don't know where to go mm. from here at this point. Yeah, I think that that's that's the I guess the journey that we're all going on at some point. In the beginning, of course, you do have to gain that speed. There are plateaus that you'll hit, and you'll 
stay there for a few months and you'll push through that plateau and you'll get to the next one. But to me, those speed plateaus were unlocking doors for me musically. I remember mm-hmm. uh, Cult of Personality. That came out when I was a kid. I could play the first four minutes of it just fine. But then as soon as it goes into the fast stuff at the end, oh, right, yeah. I couldn't keep up with it. I And I remember feeling like, okay, I can play the groove, but I cannot leave this groove because I have no fill ideas Mm-hmm. I can't even think this fast. And that's another thing, too. How fast can you play and how fast can you think? And, yeah. I, you know, even as soon as I start a song, let's say that this is my song. As soon as I start here, immediately my brain subdivides all of my options. Dugga, 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 cool. 16th notes are in play. Dugga, 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 cool. 16th note triplets play. Nope. All right. <laughs> that's like how quick it happens for me as soon as I start a song. And now I know... What's in play for the next four minutes of this tune? If it's a song that I'm just jamming with, you know, yeah. not like a song that I actually know. Uh, and but if I was here and I go, okay, cool, thirty second notes are in play, great. Um, and so I think there are times where you can't even think fast enough, and just learning how to subdivide mentally will help. Uh, yeah. You and I have talked many times about how fast can you play singles with an accent every fourth note. And how fast can you play singles with no accents, yeah. but still know where you are? Yeah. And I'm not talking about just turning on your fingers and going, yeah. but I mean, I could, I would say my singles are probably somewhere around the 230, 240 range with an accent. Mm-hmm. Take out that accent, I drop way down and actually, as far as knowing where I am and marking the time in, in my head. Um, you know what? I wonder if that's right around, because I'm doing 30 second notes on a very good day. 115 for like okay. extended period that that extended exercise sure. I've talked about many times. Yep. But that's like on the best of the best days, 115. And you can do that without an accent? No accents and Oof. and clean. I'm going for I'm going for clean and also I'm not sure. resorting to like flipping the french grip and only using right. fingers. I'm trying yeah, to maintain yeah, yeah. An, a, a realistic playing grip throughout the whole right. thing. But that's it. At that point, I'm like, I, at this point, I have to like force my body to go faster, and I don't want to yeah. do that. To like turn the hand over extremely or do some stuff. And I wonder, I wonder if maybe that physical limit that you feel like you have right now would be different if the music you played pushed you further every single day of your life. You know, if you only played up tempo swing, I'd probably just have tendonitis really bad. <laughs> right. Well, that's. I think this all comes down to the, to the answer to the question: How fast is fast enough? I think it's relative to the music you play. When somebody comes to me and says, "I want to be in a punk band," at no point do I go, "Dude, speed is overrated." Mm-hmm. I'm like you are going to have to work your ass off yeah. to get fast because you're going to need it. Um, even when somebody says, "Yeah, I just want to," uh, me and my buddies are starting a Sublime cover band. I'm like, "Have you tried to play Santeria?" Yeah, your right, right hand is going to fall off. <laughs> like, <laughs> no like, good luck, man. And they're like, "No, no, it's like a relaxed reggae." No, it's not. <laughs> Things hard as hell. Yeah, you got to sit on top of that groove too. You can't let yeah. it drop back. Yeah, that one sucks. <laughs> so anyway, so I think it's all relative to what is happening in your drumming and maybe the drumming that you're a fan of. I would never tell Derek Roddy speed. You don't need it. It's like, yes, you do. I've heard what you play. You definitely need speed and clarity. Yeah, you um, know, for me, I'm thinking my body's not made for that music, and I have to just accept it. Like, mm. there, at no point do I think at this stage in the game could I say, "All right, I'm going to become an extreme speed drummer." I don't yeah. think I can, and that's and I think I knew that all along because I always gravitated towards mid tempo funk. I mean, I was a James Brown fan when everyone was getting into Dream Theater. Like, 
Right. Just that music just appealed to me. Maybe because I knew I could actually play it. <laughs> you know? I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. I mean, that's that's why when I think about speed for myself, this is the first time in a very long time where something's come up where I had, I already knew what I wanted to do and I actually physically couldn't do it. it, it, and, it and it's built out of a pattern that, uh, no, I really have this down. I can play this, mm. but I just can't play it at this tempo. And still, I guess one of the things that is another part of this is how tempo is relative to velocity because I guess the problem I'm having with it, it's not really the sloppiness as much as I can't play it quiet. I can't play mm. it at the same dynamic volume I was playing everything right before it. I have to muscle up for it. Um, hold my breath. Don't breathe. Slam a five-hour energy shot. <laughs> you know. Yeah, then uh, the question is, well, why are you trying to do it? If, it, exactly. if it's making you uncomfortable. Well, and, and I won't do it if it makes me uncomfortable. If yeah. I can push through this thing in the next couple days... <laughs> <laughs> hey, keep that protein shake in your mouth, son. If I can, if oh, I can push through Lord. it in the next couple days, yikes, yikes! Do not use that for your contest entry. <laughs> I give up. I'm done. Our featured artist is Sean Wagovan from the band Walks. <laughs> so good. Love this band. Um, okay, mm. don't, don't forget, if you want to enter to win the snare drum, use the hashtag Modern Drummer Podcast and <laughs> post your favorite excerpt from the show. Very um, professional. Uh, <laughs> All right. Could you group. imagine that t-shirt? Uh, I think we just got our first explicit rating. I'm sorry. Yep. <clears throat> sorry about that. <laughs> uh, hot dog. Hot dog. Okay, so walk the moon. Mm. Walk off the mm, walk the moon. All right, so, I Sean can't do it, man. I Wagaman. can't do it. You officially yes, you ruined me. This nope, <laughs> nope. We're moving on. So Sean Wagman says that after playing acrylic drums for years, he was ready to switch to wood when his band Walk oh. the Moon joined Muse for its latest tour. Let's start there. All right, we're going to drop in some audio first to get us back on track. This is Walk the Moon performing the song Kamikaze on Late Show with Stephen Colbert. I think it's important to watch the video if you go to YouTube to see how much he's actually playing because the song itself, it sounds like there's tracks and they're flying in loops and all of that, but he's, he's hitting a lot of this stuff live. So let's check out a little bit of it first. Comfort, you could break the healing. If my friend's gonna let me slide, how come you never left my side? Before I go, make it last all night while I slip into the great divide. Step it out of body, no matter what you call it. I'm a kamikaze. Oh, oh, bend it on your logic and put your body on it. I'm a kamikaze. Okay, so the first thing that I notice when hearing this is exactly what you said. I'm having a hard time believing that that's a drum set, a bass drum, a, a snare drum. Like it's got, it has that programmed sound, but I can see him playing the stuff. 
Yeah, and I'm looking at his kit because he's featured in the um, the gearing up section of the August issue. I see a trigger on the snares, so that automatically makes me think, okay, all those finger snaps that we're hearing, that he's playing rim clicks, that's probably being triggered live from the snare. Okay. Um, the kick drum, I don't see a trigger, but there might be one hiding somewhere down there. But um, he definitely has the, well, he's got the SPDS pad, so my assumption is pretty much everything we're hearing percussively is probably played live. Maybe there's a few reverse cymbal hits or something that were not that he couldn't execute but i think this is an amazing way to approach contemporary pop music to be you and if you can't understand this world you're gonna be in a little bit of trouble trying to get into like if you can't understand this world and you're trying to get into contemporary pop yeah um totally i think he's pretty amazing at doing this like when you watch it you get to see everything that you love about seeing a live drummer because like you said even if what you're hearing might be a sample that sample is not part of a backing track he's the one that triggered that sample in that moment and he's physically doing it and you and i were talking about uh off the air about how the one uh sample patty has on his left is way up like the way that some like Vinny would have a a 20 inch china yeah so it's very dramatic when he goes to play that pad Totally, which is such a weird thing because people always want to hide their pads. Like, don't yep. worry about it. There's nothing to see here. <laughs> right. See the real symbols. But he's totally, it's it's eight feet off the ground. Yeah, it's definitely part of the show. And, and I mean, it's, yeah. I think if you don't have a, a multi-pad and you don't know how to use triggers at this point, you're going to be missing out on a lot of opportunities. Even on, like, the club circuit. I mean, there's totally. a, there's a I would call it a Americana, you know, country band that I play with. Whenever we do a, a song that I, I go to the pads, the audience responds in such a visceral way to just the sound really? of 808 kit, kicks and snares yeah. and hand clap. It's it's just the sound of modern music. And I totally. think you have to have it in the way... I like the way this band, Walk the Moon, does it, where when he, when he goes to the actual drums, it's for a textural change. Like, here's the chorus, I'm going to play the yes. kit now. Like, that's yeah, really, really effective. I think that's... That's something all of us have been doing since we started playing the drums, which is, all right, I'm going to play the hi-hat part on the rim, and the snare will be acrostic until we get to the chorus, and I'll come in with a big fat snare hit, and you'll hear the real cymbals and my full bass drum and all that stuff, and now we're just doing it in a more modern way. But I I think that, I mean, first of all, the dude's got a Masters of Maple kit. You're not going to trigger that whole thing. The reason you have a Masters of Maple kit is because you want the people to hear it. It sounds fantastic. And... The, yeah, like the way he's doing it, it's just got this thing where there's a reason why even in times where people were only playing backing tracks, the drums weren't even mic'd. They would still hire a drummer to be on stage with them because mm-hmm. of the look that a drummer brings and the energy that a real drummer brings. And I think we're in that place now where it's like, okay, fine, you can have your hand claps and your snaps and your synth- you know your 808 kicks and cymbals, but let me just trigger them myself. Let me hit them with an actual drumstick. So yeah. I'm physically doing this and... Even being a professional musician still comes into play. An 808 hit out of time is still a sloppy 808. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. It's you still true. have to hit it right in <laughs> I, the right spot. I uh, compacted my my gigging rig, so I have the Roland TM2. I think it is the one with just two inputs, and I mm. use one stereo black pad. So you got the you know you hit the pad or you hit the rim, you can get two different samples. I thought cool, this would be perfect. Because the only thing I need to do is do an 808 kick and a and a hand clap. Right. Well, if you're not 
100% accurate, you're going to be hitting hand claps when they're supposed to be kick drums. I learned right. it was kind oh of funny the first time, and then it was like, okay, that's not funny anymore. Don't hit the freaking rim when you're right, supposed right. to hit. The- so I, oh I'm, I'm going to stick with it, but if I was, you know, if it wasn't a casual gig, I would have two pads for sure and have both, you know, the rim and the head only trigger into mm-hmm. 808 on one and the rim and the head only triggering the hand claps on the other. That way there's no mistaking it. But, uh, yeah, it's 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 jolting when that hand clap comes out on the uh of beat three or something, and it's supposed, not supposed to be a kick drum. Right. Uh, I also found it really cool that he's using aluminum snares. Uh, so this is a yep. Trash Talk aluminum snare with six lugs, and it says he has another one with five lugs. Yep. Yeah, those drums, I, unfortunately, I think they were one-time production. I don't know if they're going to bring them back, but they are sp- special drums they are really special they are wow. gnarly um they have a certain thing that's not an acrylite it's not a superphonic it's it's trashy it's talking back to you every time you hit it right and so and it's wow i'm, I'm looking through all this stuff i've got a rosewood gum and mahogany um kit and each drum is a different blend yeah wow what a cool thing. Um, That's yeah, Cy I think, over at Masters of Maple. He's he's a mastermind yeah. of that stuff. If you haven't checked out their their gear, definitely check it out. He's he's a real deal. I love his stuff. I, I think this would be something really important for anybody to check out. Like Because uh, when Mike says this is in the gearing up section, it's just a focus on what this guy is playing. You guys should check this out on the either on the website or in the current issue of Modern Drummer just because I think a lot of people are struggling to figure out, okay, I get it, I have to have a a sample pad of some sort I have to be triggering. But when it comes to the organic stuff to the symbols, should I get 16s? I mean, he's using 19 and 20 inch crashes. Yeah. And they're, he's using 15 inch high hats. Yep. So I think figuring out like, well, what should I get? And then it comes down to tuning as well. How muffled should my bass drum be? I think he'd be a great person to follow and to check out what he's doing so that you can go, okay, this is a good template for me to figure out how to piece together my hybrid kit. Yeah, because if you look at it, it's not really that hybrid other than he has SPDS pad and he has two rubber pads. But then there's a yeah. foot bass drum pedal kind of hiding underneath the floor tom. There's a foot switch hiding under the snare drum. I don't know what he's using that for. Maybe he's starting and stopping click tracks or maybe that's changing his patches or I don't know. But and then there's like a trigger a, on his snare drums. So, yeah, yeah it is really a hybrid kit, Mike. It is, but it, it doesn't look like it. <laughs> Just kidding. You know? No, like, totally. If you go <laughs> see them play, you're like, hey, he's a drummer. He's not up there playing well, pads. I think, and that was something you mentioned to me before we started this, was just when you see it, it's weird. Like Maybe because it's two floor toms and a side snare, that it really does just look like a, a big drum set. So his drums are dwarfing his electronic integration. Same thing with Brendan Buckley, for sure, where it's more drums than it is pads. And then it's, I think it comes down to how well can you do this stuff? And when I watched him play, especially with that video you sent me, I can't tell what's happening, and I like that. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know what's real, what's fake. Um, I don't want to call it fake, but what's sampled, what's real, acoustic drums. And it, all I can say is the song sounds amazing. Yep. And I can see that he's actually making all of it happen, and it's not being played off of tracks, which I love. Yep, dig it. So, yeah, that's the Gearing Up feature is in the August issue. The video, again, is called Walk the Moon Performs Kamikaze. That's from The Late Show with Stephen Colbert. That's just a really good, clean recording. You can see a lot of what he's doing. Um, a lot of fun. I'd like to play that kit. That'd be a fun time. Everybody, no matter what you're calling, 
Alright, so it's time to um, remind you about the Dream Hang if you're going to be in Montreal on August 1st from 7 to 10 p.m. Dream is hosting a hang at Hotel Tatango, the studio, with Sam Fogarino from the band Interpol. They're going to have 50 symbols for sale there. I believe they're going to have Sam demo everything and they're going to record it so you can listen to it live in the room and also listen to the symbols through playback, which is really cool. Um, so everything there will be for sale. Uh, if you want to go, you have to RSVP. You can email dreamhang, all one word, dreamhang at dreamsymbols.com, and they will send you the address. Space is limited, so definitely hit them up as soon as you can. That's that's on August 1st in Montreal at Hotel Tatango. Go check out the Dream Hang with Sam Fogarino. Very cool, very cool. All right, you ready to get into some candy? Yeah, we're talking about some snare drums. I have not heard of this company. They this were, is awesome. They were at NAMM this year, I think, was their debut. Oh, okay. Um, so newer company. And Christoph is a podcast listener, so if you're listening, thanks for uh, sending the drums in for us to check out. Um, so these are made in Switzerland. They are all handmade in Switzerland, and he's using all um, locally harvested wood. And he's even gone so far as on each drum, you're going to get the GPS coordinates of where the tree was that created your drum, which what? is pretty awesome, pretty next level. So you can actually wow. you know, go back and visit the birthplace of your snare drum if you'd like to one day. And that's weird because the Swiss aren't really known for being very precise or making good products, so <laughs> really cool. <laughs> Just so you know, Christoph, in our country, you guys are the kings of making anything. And that's just another example. Putting GPS coordinates of the tree of where your drum came from, that's another example of being very Swiss and awesome. Yeah, so he sent, uh, at the NAMM show, my ear was immediately gravitated towards the 7x12 Beach, which reminded me of a, a drum sound that I've cherished forever, uh, the, the, the Brady, the classic Brady 12-inch mm-hmm. snare drum. So it's a 7x12 Beach stave shell. And he also sent, this was the one that just absolutely blew me away. I didn't expect to be so enamored with the looks of a drum but it's a gold leaf limited edition maple drum it's 5 by 14 it's got this really beautiful blue stain and the diamond inlays are 12 karat gold actually 12 and 24 karat gold so it's oh it's super gorgeous <laughs> oh my goodness but not like That's... but not like over the top they just look no I, i'm looking at it right now yeah, i mean it, 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 it is, is incredibly beautiful and uh, so you had that, and then you shipped it here. You know what? It's still here. So if you want to put an Ooh. order in with Christoph, <laughs> oh boy, I got to tell if you, I put if, a, if I tag Modern Drummer Podcast, I can <laughs> I can win it. Um, if photographs, sorry, if photographed, amazing. Like on my my red uh, red oyster swirl bob kit with this snare drum, it was like okay, that's an amazing looking kit. And I want to keep All right. it. <laughs> uh, well, let's listen to them. First, we'll listen to the 7x12 Stave Beach. Uh, you know my feeling about Stave drums. So uh, I'm gonna skeptical. Hate <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how this thing sounds. Uh, but if it comes from your buttery playing, it'll be fine. Take All that. Right. Let's do the 12 first.
I've just always been such a huge fan of stave drums, and you can really hear. <laughs> Dude, that drum sounds amazing. It's incredible. I mean, it does the obvious, really high kind of breakbeat sound, sure. exceptional. But there's something in that mid range and lower that, like, it's unbelievable that it can do that, and it's still kind of contained. So it has this big, fat kind of sound, but it doesn't just go all over the place. It's like real contained and tight. Now, I mean, just because it's a little bit, I guess, uncomfortable or different for people to play a 12 as their main drum, even though I, I played a 12 as my main drum forever, the LP Ascend brass oh, wow. snare drum. Right. Uh, so, uh, but for a lot of people, this would just be the perfect side snare because yeah. especially if you had a couple funk tunes in the song or in the set list and you wanted to have that cranked up thing. Yeah. I would, I actually, I would love to have that snare on my side cranked up exactly how it is, and then just have a big fat snare drum to throw to on top it of it. Yeah, yep, yeah. yeah that's incredible. Special, special drum, and and it's you know being that deep. I thought maybe the snare response would get lost a little bit, but it's really articulate. I mean, it's it's a fun, fun drum. Um, it's certainly not a, uh, it's not an afterthought kind of drum. It'd be like I could use this on a lot of tracks. You know, yeah, you could use it as a yeah. side sound, but I think you could use it as a main sound too. If you didn't oh, for sure, absolutely, uh, super fun. So that that was like my initial interest in what Solid was making, uh, blown away. And then I put up the Maple Drum, and that's when I started to cry. <laughs> well, let's give it a listen. So, uh, for those of you at home listening, Mike and I also listen at the same time so that when we're talking about it and speaking about it, we're referencing what we just heard. Did the high thing really well. That doesn't always happen. You yeah. kind of think, I can crank up any drum. It, that's not the truth. No. It did the high thing really well. Medium high, I thought like, okay, it's kind of losing its thing. Medium, mm -hmm. it became a brand new drum. Yep. The overtones completely changed, and all of a sudden, it, it had this crack to it that I was like, "Oh my gosh, that's like a session yep. drum, you know, dream." 
that's where that's kind of where I wanted to be. It did. I don't think it, it excelled in the super low. This wouldn't be the drum that I would even consider for the super low thing. So that's kind of an unfair um, assessment. But yeah, but the high and medium and up. I tell you what I did when I tested this drum because I'm you know was seriously contemplating buying the thing. Okay. Um, I got all of my maple or got all of my wood drums that were in like that kind of size range and just blindfold tested all of them. So I tuned them all identical at like three or four different tunings, recorded them, and then mixed up all, shuffled the recordings. Nice. And I, I'm not exaggerating. I Every time I said I like that tuning on that drum, I like that tuning on that drum, it was this freaking drum. Really? Every single time. And it was just something, I know I've talked about it a bunch, but it's an intangible thing. It just It just had more more of everything it was just like mm. high def version of every other drum like yeah. a more like a 4k version of a snare drum or something Ooh, good description i love it yeah that one blew me away that uh what you guys don't get to hear is mike and i talking while you're listening to the samples <laughs> and we were t- i was like so how much does he want for that one and uh, what's the dealer cost on that and we're like should we pitch in together and buy it, and I'll have it for six months, and you have it for six months? Oh, that'd be that's, cool. We can just swap. Ooh. So there's two drums, yeah. two mics. We can. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good God. <laughs> so what I should point out, which you can't hear, is it has handmade uh, stainless steel hoops as well with claws. So, it's, I mean, it is one of the classiest, most beautiful drums that also sounded as good as I hoped it would, which is doesn't happen very often. Um, amazing drum so Christoph is a one man shop as far as I know he's doing it all himself Um, he's killing it so definitely check out solid drums Um, and they have these really cool bags too so yeah I was gonna say I might get one of those gig bags for my signature snare (laughs) (laughs) I don't care what it says on it that thing looks really cool you walk into a club with that and people are like oh so you're a player yeah yeah I do this for a living (laughs) no Yeah, I was blown away. So, Christoph, great job. Amazing snares. Everyone, check out uh, the company. Once again, is called Solid Drums. They Solid are in Drums. Switzerland. So, if you just search Solid Drums Switzerland, you're going to find them. Their whole catalog is just beautiful, really classy stuff. Really good stuff. Awesome. All right, let's get into some of the listener questions. We're going back to paper today. Yeah, digital. Nice. Digital oh, paper. Oh, my goodness. All right, our first question is oh, from email. John. Uh, recently I've been subbing for a classic rock cover trio the band leader is somewhat of a free spirit in that there are usually a lot of surprises songs are often stretched out and there's never a set list the band has a good feel though and there are usually at least a few people dancing on a couple occasions he's looked back at me and had me take a solo in the middle of the song Um, supposedly something to feature me but usually lasting the length of the verse, chorus, or both um, I usually Ooh. give him the deer in the headlights look and hope for the best. He and the bass player will usually drop out completely during my attempt at the solo. Um, he says, I've learned from listening to the podcast and lessons from you is that if people are dancing, don't mess with the kick and snare and try to keep that constant. But I struggle to find anything else to say on the kit. These solos might come up a couple times a night or they might not come up at all and there's no guessing in what song it might happen. It's all at the band leader's whim. My question is, how do you approach this type of solo and how do you practice to be ready for it? Great question, nice. John. 
Yeah, and it's something that's happened to all of us at some point. And for some weird reason, the first few times it happens, it only happens in a song that has a groove that you have no improvisational chops in. Yep, for sure. And yep. it's always like the worst feel possible. You know, and you're like, come on, man, why not the last song? I could have crushed it in the last song. Uh, so one thing is, even though your singer and the leader of the band is a free spirit, there's nothing wrong with just letting him or her know Hey, I feel the most comfortable in these four or five songs. If you could introduce me or feature me in these, that would be great. And if the guy or a girl doesn't want to hear it, that's fine. But at least you've thrown it out there. The other thing I would do is I would just set aside every day time to improvise inside of a groove environment. Mm -hmm. So you should start playing a disco beat and then say, okay, I'm going to take four bar solos and stretch it to eight bar solos and 16 bar solos. Um, The other thing that is really important that we all can learn from is from James Brown, the funky drummer. Yeah, just play it. When it was when it was time for the solo, all that happened was the band stopped. <laughs> yeah. And nobody that's dancing is like, hey, I'll go ahead and stop dancing because I can't wait to hear what chops you have. So a drum beat without music is such a cool thing. Mm-hmm. And we as drummers undervalue it way too much. Yeah. Uh, that would be my advice from the get-go is don't don't stray from what you can already play. If it's just the beat, play the beat and then I would just maybe add a couple more fills than you normally would or something. You yeah. got to think of um first of all, don't lose the time. If if you go into right. solo mode and you just lose track of the time and the structure and then it's like, well, what that's not that's probably not what he wanted you to do. He probably wanted you to just give the band a break <laughs> basically. Yeah. Like just do something that's interesting. Um and something that I often wrestle with is is when people see a drummer take a solo, they want it to be exciting. So if if that means just play some silly fills, just play some silly fills. You're just trying to keep it exciting, keep it moving. Right. Um, don't don't necessarily think you have to be the most intellectual, conceptual drum soloist of all time when you're playing Jimi Hendrix Fire. You know, like just yeah. play the beat and just kind of go crazy without losing sense of of the song. And that's going to make people excited, and you can bring it back in, and everyone, no one got hurt. If you start, all right, let me think of the most adventurous thing I could possibly do, which is what I end up doing. I'm thinking, oh, what kind of cross rhythms can I do? You know, you just end up tripping on your own stick. Yeah. <laughs> if you will. Whoa! Whoa! Wow! <sighs> right, so next question. Bye. <laughs> okay. Yeah, next question. Play the groove. Uh, so the next one is from Raina. I believe Raina was one of our audio questions last week. Um, okay, I currently, so I'm a working drummer. I play everything from pub gigs to weddings uh, to big festivals. I also teach. I currently have the Zildjian New Beat 14-inch hi-hats, and they serve me well, but I want something that's a little more diverse, something that would sit well with most styles I have to play. Um, for example, I may go from a hip-hop show to a punk show to a wedding in one weekend, Unfortunately, I can only afford to get one new set of hi-hats. Still just my preference. What are your suggestions and why? Thank you. Uh, I will let you take this since you are way more familiar with their brand than I am. Here's what I would consider doing. So you've already got the new beats. So that means you've got a medium-thin top and a heavy bottom. I would maybe get some K lights, which they're not as light as the name would suggest. It's kind of like the new beat version in the K series. So then you have a medium-thin K top and a heavy K bottom. Then you've got combinations to work with. You can put the K on top of the new beat bottom. 
You could put the K on top of the new beat top. You could put both bottoms together when you're really rocking out. So that would give you some versatility, and it wouldn't be too extreme that like you can only use that set for that gig. You can kind of mix them up. That's what I would do. I think that's a great idea. That was actually the advice that Norbert from Meinl gave me when I was telling him I was I wasn't finding the hats that I was in love with. Mm. And he said, "Well, which ones have you mixed together?" And I just said, "What?" He's like, "Well." You have all of our hi-hats there. Start mixing tops and bottoms. Mm. And then all of a sudden, I went from having the amount of sets of hi-hats I thought to twice as many because right. I hadn't mixed them together. And I actually ended up with two tops from a series I didn't think I was going to play. And that became the sweet spot for me before the uh, Foundry Reserves came out. So I totally agree with Mike on this. Yeah, and I think it's, I don't know if it's widely known, but the Will Calhoun hi-hat sound from Living Color is two bottoms, two new beat bottoms. It's, two new beat bottoms? Yeah, yeah. Damn. <laughs> and I did that because I have two pairs of them, and it's instantly, it's it's the sound. That sound, that ride cymbal uh, hi-hat thing where they kind of chatter back and forth yep. and you can't tell what's the ride and what's the hi-hat, that's it. So don't be afraid of two, using two bottom hi-hats. Nice. Um, okay, the last one. Oh, this is kind of a more... Uh, more direct question for me, but let's let's go for it. So this is from AJ. On episode 199, you mentioned hearing Keith Carlock's light cymbal touch versus trying to slice the drums in half with your left hand and bass drum when you're playing. Um, I, uh, I'd be interested in learning more about that idea. Did you mean high volume and clarity? Is that a deliberate decision you're making or something that just started happening? Um, and he also said he he agrees with me as far as Kevin Durant probably not being the best investment for the <laughs> for the Nets. <laughs> Man, come on, coming off that Achilles. Woo. Okay, so to clarify what I was mentioning, because we were talking about I don't remember what we were talking about. I was talking about my influences kind of showing through, and how my right hand has kind of adopted this real light, airy Keith Carlock thing, and then the other half of my body is is trying to karate chop the instrument in half. I'm going to say it's it's 90% mental. I'm not deliberately hitting the drum any harder than I would if I was trying to play off the head or delicate. I'm not I'm not jabbing the stick into the head. It's just a sound that I'm hearing in my head and then my hand and foot are producing that sound. So I'm thinking here's the visualization. You've got a birthday cake and you're going to hit it with a drumstick and the drumstick's going to perfectly slice right through that cake it's not going to make the cake spray out or go flying across the room it's going to be like a surgeon just took a knife straight through that cake that's what i'm envisioning with the snare drum the stick is just coming straight down ultra precise no wasted motion the sound is fat but it's not crazy out of control so i visualize a lot of stuff to answer your question i visualize the sound with actual pictures and that's what i mm-hmm. envision it's like slicing, perfectly slicing the drum right in half. And I think that makes a lot of sense. It makes things a lot easier. Uh, I, I remember seeing, before all the trouble, the clip that we've all seen a million times where Bill Cosby's talking about his drum gigs. Back oh, in the yeah. Day. Old, old yeah. clip, right? And when he said, I put Max Roach in my head and I sat on the kit the way Max does, it, I, it identified so many things or I identified with it so much of like yeah yeah when I think about Stuart Copeland and I have that in my head my all of a sudden there's more pressure on my left foot my hi-hats are tighter they mm-hmm. are now 13s even though they're 15s yeah, I'm right. stomping them so hard and having those visualizations really really helps yeah yeah I can't stress the importance of it for me personally I have to visualize I'm it I'm with you man and, and then it, my body just figures it out 
after yeah. that. Cool. So very, we can very use cool. uh, more listener questions, more audio questions, mdinfo at moderndrummer.com. We've gotten a few that are coming through the Facebook page. There's something weird going on with Messenger there. So if you could post your questions actually on the main Facebook feed rather than in the Messenger, there's something weird with pages and, and messages. They get lost in some weird ether. Uh, so there's been a couple I've had to like dig out. But your best bet, mdinfo at moderndrummer.com. Um, all right, we're this is this episode's going long, but we still have our pick of the week to do here. Yeah, we do. You've got some history, so I'll make mine quick. My pick is somebody that I mentioned earlier in the podcast, Mr. Eddie Thrower. If you haven't seen Eddie play or or don't follow him on Instagram, um, please do. He's an amazing player. I mean, a truly amazing player. Younger cat. Uh, he was playing with the band Lower Than Atlantis for a long time. And now he's in a band called Busted, which means nothing to us Americans. But I have been well assured by other friends that live in the UK that they are massive because I asked them. I didn't want to ask Eddie himself, but I was like, hey, man, my buddy Eddie's playing for this band called Busted and they're taking helicopters to the gigs. Is <laughs> no Busted way. big? And they were like, yeah, Busted is huge. Uh, we're so always I guess, talking about that here about there's so many bands that are so big, but the industry is so fragmented that you would have no idea unless you were a fan of that exact band. What about Yoast in Yandale? It's so like, frustrating as a, as a like, journalist to try to keep up with Yoast, it. where are these arenas you're playing, you know? Um, it's all green but screen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, are you at Florian's place? Are you at online lessons? Uh, so anyways, so so yeah, so check out Eddie Thrower. Uh, he's got a great online lesson website, and I don't consider him to be my competition because he teaches in his own way. He plays in his own way. We are very different as players. I'm thinking that in January he might come out for Nam, and then we might actually be doing a camp together here cool. at my place after Nam. Uh, so check him out, Eddie Thrower. Sweet. So this week's little bit of drum history. Uh, I think I kind of mentioned him in passing last week when I was talking about Zudi Singleton, but Baby Dodds is the artist I wanted to feature a little bit this week. Um, it's really hard to say who played the drum set first. It's impossible. But as far as notoriety, I think Baby Dodds is the drummer that historians all agree he's kind of the one that became known as the first drum set player because of his association with Louis Armstrong. Mm. Um, now, uh, Baby was born in 1898, uh, Christmas Eve, 1898, and he passed away in February of 1959. So his peak as a player... Um, was really in that that early jazz pre big band era. What the reason I want to call attention to Baby Dodds because you can actually find some decent recordings of him, but it's way at the end of his career because there was a strange thing that happened once bebop took over. There was this like anti bebop movement where they wanted to go back to original jazz. So he had mm. like a his a renaissance. Like of course we're going to okay. get Baby Dodds on drums because he was the guy who defined that style. So you can find a fair amount of recordings of him playing that sound really good. Uh, it's later in his career. There's there's very little documentation of him in the early days that sounds good. Um, but I found the one record that's really nice is the Baby Dodge Trio. Um, it's called Jazz a la Creole. So we're going to drop in some audio from that, and he takes he takes a nice solo in there. You're going to hear like all the Dixieland vaudeville kind of you know wood blocks and snare drum stuff, kind of the classic early jazz stuff. So let's check out a little bit of Baby Dodds. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's funny how much you can hear the correlation between dance and drumming at that time, and mm-hmm. how much I mean, the drumming sounds like tap dancing. Totally. Yeah, and but there's that subtle bass drum feathering that never stops. Oh, yeah. That kind of goes back to what we were talking about with that question. Like, as long as he keeps those quarter notes going, he can play all the syncopated woodblock stuff he wants. Yep. But as long as that bass drum's pumping, the crowd's going to be right into it. Man, that sounds like the back of my left foot as I keep time like, oh, 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 through, a, through a hollow stage. That's how, that's how feathered that bass drum was, but it was there, man. So cool. Yeah. So there's the, unfortunately there's not much documentation of, of baby Dodds like really playing the drums, but that record is good. And there's also, uh, I think they, they combined all of his solos onto one record. I think I can't remember what it's called, like spooky drums or something like that, where he actually does a little bit of talking explaining the techniques, the shimmy, the shimmy roll and all that stuff. So those are kind of the only documented bits, but unfortunately they were recorded later in his career, so we really don't know what he sounded like when he was like 18 and, and killing mm-hmm. it, but he still sounds pretty darn good. Right. So that's Baby Dodds. That's it. My gosh, we're done. Oh, snare drum giveaway. Hashtag bottom drummer podcast. <laughs> Sorry, I thought we were done. I started watching my, my uh, educational videos on how to edit footage i was ready to go <laughs> please enter to win the uh three ply mahogany poplar walnut modern drummer anniversary snare drum by posting anything you want on instagram that references this podcast and use the hashtag modern drummer podcast you've got two weeks uh to win this fine handmade instrument and if this episode didn't give you enough to work with Phew, goodness gracious this might be yeah, the actually worst. You have no idea what you might have had to work with because we probably had to cut some stuff out. Uh, <laughs> things, got a, woo, things got a little saucy today. But anyways, All right, we're going to send this off to James Sharp. James is playing a Yamaha Stage Custom Kit uh, in a Ludwig Black Relight Snare. He's got some Rhythm Tech Hat Trick Tambourines, um, a Camp Percussion Lunar Lander on the snare, which I think was my pick of the week early on in this podcast. And he recorded it all using the Yamaha E80-10 on the hip-hop preset straight to his iPhone. So this is James. He's going to bring us back to adulthood. <laughs> My goodness. <clears throat> Take it easy, bro. All right, see you. <laughs> <laughs> all right, see you.